Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Uh, Today, we're just going to try to walk through things that have been going on in our lives and what we've been reading, because the world has just turned upside down since the last time we recorded, and we're just in such a different space right now. So I'm working from home. Gail is working from home. So Gail, why don't you tell us what that experience has been like for you working from home? Been home since last Friday. It's fine. I mean, you know, I work for a company of about 150 people and we're doing everything remotely now, all the meetings. It's it's lots of video, Google Hangouts or Slack, lots of uh, meetings, lots of checking in. You know, it's sad. It's, It's all really sad. My kids are home. My second grader is home. And, you know, remote learning for a second grader really is non-existent. My teenagers are just starting to kick in with remote learning and you know, it's, we're making the best of it. Um, but it's, it's really weird. It's a completely different world than the last time you and I spoke, which was a couple weeks ago. So, um, I, I did want to say that I'm glad we're doing this because I think that people are probably turning to podcasts more, maybe more than they did before because they've got more downtime or maybe more solitary time And I think people are turning to books uh, because it's something they can do. And so I'm glad that we're here, that I hope that this provides some connection for our audience and a sense of normalcy. And, you know, hopefully the book recommendations are helping. We we posted our, our March reads last week. So hopefully that was helpful in terms of people who might be looking to, I guess, at least download or maybe order from Amazon because I'm sure that they can't not get anything from their library or their local indie right now. Um, but yeah, those are kind of where my thoughts are. Tell me about what this has been like for you. I would say the same, you know, working for a company, I work for a finance company that specializes in real estate. So of course it has some of those holdings are hotels. Um, So to say that things have been busy, to say that we have been getting constant updates on kind of what's going on in terms of COVID-19, we've all moved to working from home, which is an adjustment. I feel like Monday and Tuesday were just, it was, everything was just so slow in terms of just figuring out how to do everything since the entire team is, is working from home. And just that has its own set of challenges, like you sort of mentioned being more accessible or just letting know that people letting people know that you're around even though you're remote you know it's not like you can just right. wander by someone's office or meet them in the pantry or anything like that so all of that is gone and just trying to get through work so it's definitely been a challenging thing to experience but at the same time just so thankful that that I'm not in a situation where so far that I'm worried about my job or my income. And it's, you know, it's pretty humbling to watch so much go on in terms of the restaurant and the retail industry. And just, you know, just to think about all the different changes that we 
um, that we are going through. Yeah, so for sure. What is, um, what's Manhattan like? I mean, are, are people on the subways? I mean, are, have you even been on the subway in the last three or four days? No, I have not. It seems like there were still people on the street and then it just became clear that the best thing to do was to avoid everything. And so, you know, there's a lot less, a lot less people out. I'm not out too much during the day because everything has been so hectic in terms of work. I think Saturday and Sunday, there was still some movement. And now when you go out, like I'll duck out to get groceries or something. And it's pretty quiet here. Um, a lot of friends that I know are starting to think about seriously heading out of town just because there's just been so much back and forth with the governor, between the governor and the mayor of our city about what the next step should be if they're going to shut down New York completely, I guess, or just more shut down than it already is because all of our restaurants have turned over to takeout only. A lot of places have had to close. I think they're starting to close some of the stores. All the Apple stores are closed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's pretty quiet. It's pretty quiet here. And there's definitely been lots of conversations with me and my family in terms of what do we want to do, you know, how easy it would be to go someplace else and to work from home in terms of connectivity. Mm-hmm. So we were, it's just a brand new world. Yeah. Definitely. We were supposed to go on spring break next week. Um, my daughters have spring break and we were supposed to go to the Outer Banks and we reserved it like a month ago. And then I guess when DC started shutting down, a lot of people had the same idea. They're like, oh, it's spring break or my trip to Europe was canceled. So let's go to the Outer Banks because it's, you know, maybe a six hour drive from here. And there's tons of rental properties, especially in the off season, which is what this is. And the Outer Banks was like, no, thank you. And they, they closed to visitors. So we can't go away. Yeah. Why would they want an influx right. of <laughs> want your coronavirus, DC? possibly yeah. diseased people descending on their little yeah. community. I mean, we were sort of on the fence about it. We were feeling a little nervous about traveling and what if one of us gets sick and we would, did we want to be in North Carolina or did we want to be here? My parents are here. So I was feeling like, you know, I kind of wanted to be accessible to them if anything, you know, should happen to them. So I, in some ways it was a relief to have the decision made for us, but I'm definitely sad because we were really looking forward to it. And you know, not much of a spring break, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. I definitely have some concerns in terms of, I have limited my contact with my mother just Mm -hmm. because I was more out in the world than she was. So, you know, especially over the next couple of weeks to keep it to uh, phone calls or video calls and um, I think she's making plans to leave the city. So I may see her you know, briefly and from a safe distance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. So, yeah. It's sad. It's sad. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about... So that's the state of where yeah. we are, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about books. It's been quite a while since you and I have recorded a live show. So um, you want to just quickly, we can talk a little bit about what we've read since we last recorded? Sure. Why don't you go? I I feel like Gail and I will have totally reversed our positions. Usually I've read quite a few books. Um, like, I don't know, so much has been going on with me that I have not. Mm-hmm. I've probably read a few since the last show, but 
Um, my list will not yeah. be long. Okay. Um, well, let's see. Since we read, I, I was laughing, Nicole, because I got myself into like a typical Gale situation and I was thinking of you the whole time. So I was on a business trip about two weeks ago, which of course seems like a lifetime ago, but I was on a business trip and I brought a couple, I brought two books with me to read one of which I was like halfway through. And then I brought Long Bright River thinking, well, that's a big book. That's a nice big long book. So I'm going to be fine. And I was only gone for like four days, right? Mm. So, of course, I finished the first book and then I just devoured Long Bright River. I couldn't put it down. I was reading it constantly. You know, every second I was like in my hotel room, I was reading that book. And I finished it and it was like the day before I was coming back. And I knew that, you know, I had enough to sustain me on the airplane back. It was a long flight. I was in Arizona. So, like, it was a long flight, and I, I figured, you know, I, I have enough magazines and enough stuff to do, but you know me and, like, the book panic. So I decided I needed to go buy a book. And I was trying to download stuff to my phone, and I just wasn't finding anything I was excited about. So I I, I went to, I guess it was a Barnes & Noble. I really loathe Barnes & Noble, but I, it was the only option that was near my hotel. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I picked up um, a Taylor Jenkins read book and I figured, all right, well, that will be a quick and involving read. So the first thing I've read since Long Bright River was um, Maybe in Another Life by Taylor Jenkins Reed, which is like a sliding doors, one woman's life that is told in alternating chapters, depending on whether she makes one decision to stay out at a bar one night or makes the decision to go home. So um, I think this was an early Taylor Jenkins read book because it's, I didn't think it was as good as <laughs> some of her more recent ones. It just felt more shallow and superficial than say Daisy Jones or um, the Evelyn Hugo. I don't know. It just, it, it she's clearly like sort of, coming into her style. So it wasn't my favorite one. It was a quick read. It was very, um, not particularly memorable, but it did the trick. It got me back to DC without sitting on an airplane without a book. So that was the first one. Um, then I read a book that you and I both talked about reading, which was made by Stephanie land. Um, I did that one on audio mostly, although I did finish it in print, I think. And this is the memoir about a woman in the Pacific Northwest who is trying to support herself and her daughter. She's a single mother uh, by being um, by cleaning homes. And it's her memoir about those years after she she finds herself homeless after getting out of a bad relationship and about how she tried to support herself. And I really liked it. I There's a lot of controversy out there about this book and some people find her whiny and some people question some of her life choices. And, you know, I suppose there's that the controversy that comes up whenever people, you know, talk about sort of welfare and government assistance. But I thought it was really compelling. And I, I really liked doing this one on audio and hearing it in her voice and, I, I found it that she raised a lot of really good issues and I liked it a lot. So I recommend that book and it was definitely a good read. Um, and then I actually read for the first time, I believe one of the book of the month books. Like I never, ever actually read them. They just come and pile up. But my most recent book was writers and lovers by Lily King. And I really like this one too. 
Um, definitely literary fiction. There's not a whole lot going on. It's sort of a gentle style. It's about a novelist who's writing a novel and she's trying to support herself and she's a waitress and she's not having any success and she's coming out of also of a bad relationship. And um, I just, I really like the writing style and you kind of really are rooting for her and she's got this very gentle humor. So there's, it's both funny and sad at the same time. And I just really enjoyed it. Again, that's another book that has gotten mixed reviews. Um, but uh, for me, it was, a, it was a really good pick. So those are the three that I've read since Long Bright River. And right now I'm reading um, Separation Anxiety, which is a book that you and I talked about on the March Reads. It's by Laura Zygman. And I'm also listening to a book that I think we also talked about. I'm not sure if it was on the March one or a different one, but it's called Followers by Megan Angelo. So that, I think, catches us Right. Up. I think you had mentioned that as your book, you had gotten a bunch of books from the library. Yes. Um, one, and it was one of those, I thought you had said that you were going to start reading that first because you had three of yes, them, right? And I did. Um, and then one, like the tiniest silver lining that has come out of this <laughs> coronavirus is that the DC, the Washington bookstore, I mean, sorry, the Washington DC library has closed down and any books that you have out are now just like indefinitely extended. <laughs> Checked out. Yeah. So I have... <laughs> Those three were in the dream house and followers and little gods, and I have them all still, and I can I don't I'm gonna have to race through them to get to them. So um, I you know I can hold on to those books as long as I need them or until the bookstore you know excuse me until the library opens again. So that's what's going on in my reading world. Let me see what have I read. So I read Barracoon, the story of the last black cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. Um, that was a book that came out probably a few years ago. Zora Neale Hurston had interviewed one of the last uh, African men who was brought over from Africa uh, uh, as a slave. And he came to a ship in Mobile, Alabama, and that's it, where he ended up making his home. And so it was, I guess it's kind of an ethnographic study, and she had a chance to interview him, you know, when he, when she was still alive. And of course, he was elderly at that time. And she interviewed him on his experience, talked to him a lot about what he did while he was in Africa, the traditions he had there, the transition that he made as a slave. And then I think he was eventually freed, but still stayed in the United States and raised a family here in his experiences. And it was so interesting. I really recommend that book. I think at the time that he was brought over as, as cargo, slavery had actually had already been outlawed. I think it was after the Civil War. And it was, of course, this this was not supposed to have been done, like slavery had been outlawed at the time. And but he was brought over anyway. So it's just so fascinating, just because I don't think, you know, the slave narratives and just the the accounts that you usually hear about it are usually so far removed to get one from someone who had come over late in the experience, I guess, of slaveholding and sharecropping and who continued to live here. It was just, it was just a very interesting account to get. And I listened to it on audio. So 
that was a pretty good way to go. It's it's pretty short. I think it was like a two and a half hour listen. I read Girl, Woman, mm. Other by Bernadine Evaristo. Mm-hmm. I really recommend that one. It was so inventive the way she did it. I just really love the structure. Basically, I think it's about 12 women or their experiences over the span of, I want to say, three generations. Like The way it's structured is that you will get, I guess, sort of a pod of people who knew each other, like it starts out with this mother who's um, talking about her daughter, but her experience as an artist and is set in the 1980s. So you get her perspective, but then you get her daughter's perspective and also a friend. So each perspective that you get and each, I guess, collection of characters is shedding light on all the others and how they live. And you get to see how the generations think about, you know, what it is that they've experienced and what, you know, it may seem like their kids have it a lot easier, even though the kids don't think they have it easy. It's multi-generational. It's just so fascinating the way it all comes together and how it builds. So you can see all of the relationships among this friend group and, and over these years. So I highly recommend it. I mean, she won a prize. Was it the Booker prize that she split with, uh, with, uh, Margaret Atwood. She, I mean, I don't know. I have thoughts about the fact that this is the first time that they ever uh, split the split the actual prize, and I think they split the money as well. But it was definitely deserving of her. Does that book take place in the present? Well, I you said it's have taken this. You said it's a, you said it's a few generations, but is it is it current? It is because some of the younger kids, it's it's centered in their experience at university. The mother of that child starts her story. Her story starts in the 80s. Then you also get to see her mother and like what her experiences were like coming to London in the 40s and 50s when people weren't so tolerant. So you get to see how all of those generations, I would say, like between maybe 1920 to current day to see how they experienced living in London. So it's mm-hmm. really good. So listen to on audio to a book called A Woman Like Her, the story behind the honor killing of a so- social media star. It's by Sanam Mayer. It is about the life of, she was basically not so much an Instagram star, but very big on Facebook and Twitter in Pakistan. And she was basically, she was kind of called the Kim Kardashian of Pakistan and just posted those kinds of videos, like fashion videos, I guess what some people might think of as self-centered videos, selfies. I mean, she was called Kim Kim Kardashian of Pakistan, but she did speak out against religious leaders. And she was basically, now she's looked upon as a social media star who was trying to live her life on her own terms, which is not appreciated in Pakistan. You know, her brother ended up strangling her. So it just goes, this book goes into the, the, not only it's about her death, but it's also about the conditions in Pakistan. Like it talks about the different types of women you encounter, how they try to make a living if, if they're living outside of their family's support, like what they will do to support themselves, how it's viewed, but just also how their families view education, how they view the education of women. Like so many perspectives are looked at what contributed to her death. 
some of the news coverage that she got. Her name, her social media name was Kandil Baloch, but her real name was Fazia Azim. And her name was exposed at some point. You know, it's just kind of like, how much did that play into what happened to her? Just a really fascinating read about Pakistani culture and the growth of women working outside the home, what challenges they face, like what challenges you face if you don't have the support of the family, and just how far women are willing to go in order to experience these different freedoms and to grasp or fight to have their own personhood. So I really recommend that one. You've done some good reading. Yeah. I've I've been managing, you know, like you, I think audio has saved me lately because I really, this has been just, you know, when I had a commute, being able to listen on my commute and guess errands around town because I really haven't had much chance, much opportunity with paper books. So right now I am reading Mrs. Everything, um, mm. reading the hardcover like it's it? by Jennifer Weiner. So far, so good. It kind of reminds me a little bit of reading maybe the female persuasion. Like I'm really interested in these characters and their lives. So it's engrossing in that respect. I want to say it's engrossing, but at the same time, I, I I feel like it's a good story and I don't know how much later on it will resonate or not. It is about these two sisters growing up in 1950s Detroit. And it starts with one sister present day who is in her seventies and she's learned that she has cancer or I think her cancer has come out of remission. And this time there is just, she knows that she won't be able to save, be saved. And she talks about making amends, putting things right before that happens, before she dies. And so then it's the alternating stories of two sisters one has always been her mother's favorite. Things have come easily to her. The other is more awkward, struggling with her sexuality and just the paths that these two sisters have taken. So I'm still in early parts with them. I think I maybe read 120, 150 pages or so where both sisters are still growing up in the house and one has just gone off to college. So... Hmm. Uh, on audio, I'm listening to Fates and Furies mm. by Lauren okay. Groff, which I which I like. I mean, so far it's been about his upbringing, Lotto, him being a Southerner, what his experience is like after his father dies. And he's the very wealthy son of a family that has bottled, that sells bottled water. So he grew up with a fortune, but her mom, his mom has taken some steps to protect him from some, some elements that she feels like are unsavory. So this has been surprising for me, I guess, cause I thought it was so much focused on the marriage, but I guess at this point I'm just getting grounded really in who he is and the different things that he's experienced. Mm-hmm. So, so far so good. And then I'm also reading this book called Indelicacy by Amina Kane. And so far, that is about this woman who used to be a cleaner, or she is a house cleaner when the story first begins. And she talks about how she wants to be a writer, and she marries a wealthy man. So it so far, it has been her life as a cleaner, her thoughts as a cleaner will expand from there. So 
All right. So a couple comments about that. So I'm intrigued by your take on Mrs. Everything. And since you like it, maybe I'll read it. I have that too. Right. I remember it being one of those that you wanted to read. I was reading it for an in real life book club that of course has now been canceled. I think we might try to get together at some point online with Mm -hmm. it. You know, I think everyone though is still in early days in terms of working from home and just figuring things out. Yeah. But yeah, I like Um, it. Oh, good. All right. Well, maybe I'll read it and we can discuss it on another episode. And then I was going to mention about Fates and Furies. Um, I did that one on audio also. And my one complaint about the audio, maybe I shouldn't say it because then it will start to irritate you too, maybe. But um, I (laughs) felt like the author, the narrator, and it must have been... It, are, are, the, is, are the two sections of that book told by different narrators or the same narrator? Do you not know yet? No, they're okay. different ones. You know, there's a male narrator now, and I'm assuming that when we get to – is her name Mathilde? Yeah. Uh, I think that it'll probably switch to a woman. So then. I found the male narrator. I did not like his female voice. When he imitated her, it <laughs> felt like a falsetto. It felt very exaggerated. Right. I don't think that I've gotten to a place where she speaks because I've just now arrived at the place where, you know, he sees her, he's struck by her and they marry right away. So, and, uh, and I also have it in print. So I haven't had that experience yet, but I will let you know if it's troubling. (laughs) Yeah. Let me know. Shoot me a text (laughs) if it annoys you and then I'll know. Um, all right. Well, Lots of lots of good reading going on. Um, I, you know, have a gazillion books in my house that, um, you know, and finally, like, maybe an excuse to read them. I um, decided yesterday to do curbside pickup for politics and prose because I wanted to support politics and prose right now because I'm sure that no one is going in the store. And they put out an email saying that they were doing curbside delivery. So I had a gift card for politics and prose and I used the gift card and then plus and bought, picked up three books that I was really excited to read. And I just, I don't know, even though I have more books in this house than I could possibly read, it just made me happy to have them in the house. So support your local bookstore. Well, that's another thing I want to say is that I read somewhere that Amazon is kind of shifting to prioritizing um, yeah, important packages. Like more essential, yeah. right, more in- essential things that people need. But you should definitely check and see what your local bookstore is doing because they might be doing something. I think Three Lives, which is mine, you can give them a phone call and then go go by and pick up your books. And I think they deliver within the West Village. So if you have a local bookstore that you love, definitely check out their website or give them a call and try to figure out what it is that they are doing to stay open, you know, whether it's buying a gift certificate um, that you'll use later or people are really coming up with some creative things. I think I saw that Scribd mm-hmm. or is it Scribd or it's Scribd? Yeah, I saw that today too. It's yeah. Scribd. Yeah, they're giving away 30 days free. Um, I think you can sign up with an email. You don't need a credit card or anything, but you get 30 days free of, of, of reading all of their, all of their materials. So you can definitely take advantage of that. I think that there are some, 
some platforms that are, I know on Instagram, if you're following certain authors and maybe I'll have more information about that in the next show, people are going to, I think, get more involved in terms of interviewing authors whose books are forthcoming, you know, because a lot of the tours and stuff have Mm -hmm. been canceled. So yeah, people are doing some interesting things. So definitely keep your eyes peeled on Instagram, Facebook pages to see, to see what's going on. And maybe we'll start collecting some of that to, yeah, to share, to mention on the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it does seem like people are really trying to reach out to authors whose book tours have been canceled. And they're, like you said, they're doing podcasts with them or interviews or Instagram or Facebook live. Um, Politics and Prose, my local store, is now going to be doing like some live streaming of author events. So rather than them taking place in store, they're, I guess, going to have the authors dial in remotely and then they're going to record them and um, make those available, which I think is really nice. And yeah, I just, I hope that this doesn't sort of like permanently change the industry. And I'm sure that's optimistic to think that it wouldn't. Uh, I, I really do feel for authors right now because as much as people need books and want books, it's just, unless you're a really well-known name, I think it's just a hard time to be trying to compete for attention if you've got a new book out. Right. It's hard. Maybe we should think about having some authors on just to do what we can to, to get their books into more hands. Well, definitely now that I don't have to commute have a little bit more time in the day. So we'll see what we can do in terms of increasing the frequency of our shows. Even if we just do a couple of more a month than we normally would do where we can let you know what's going on and have some conversations with authors. Uh, another announcement that we had is that we decided since March madness was canceled, that we would also cancel our own March madness yeah, it didn't seem right. Um, <laughs> it just didn't seem respectful to do a March Madness when the the real thing wasn't happening. Right. Yeah, so we're not going to do that. So what I was thinking, maybe not this show, but we have to get more organized, but maybe we we did have the round seated before we decided to cancel it. So I think it would just be interesting if we shared A to Z what you guys ranked as number one. Uh-huh. One through sixteen. What did we have? Did we have sixteen books? Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, okay, that'd be fun. So we'll at least share. Let you, let you all know. Thank you so much for taking the time to vote and to help us seed that. So we at least want to let you know what would you know what would have what some of the pairings potentially yeah. might have been. And we, and we will bring it back next year when hopefully. <laughs> The world has righted itself yeah. a bit, and maybe real March Madness yeah. will be back. Maybe also over the next month or two, we can do some theme episodes for, um, you know, just knowing that there's a lot of people who are not able to get out of their houses, you know, maybe some like books set in exotic locations or let people travel a bit through reading since they can't travel in real life. So we'll we'll try to come up with some episodes that maybe will help with that. I think we always have a theme, don't we? Yeah, but maybe we'll do like particular themes that are, revolve around being quarantined. Fun, yeah. fun <laughs> themes. 
Well, apparently pandemic fiction is a big mm-hmm. thing. So some people are really just leaning in and going dark. <laughs> yeah, Station Eleven, The Dreamers. I mean, those are just the ones I've read. Maybe at some point those things seem a little bit more. There's still books that are, I don't know, in some cases more dire than our situations. Yeah, yeah, are. Sure. I would think that the one that comes closest would be which The Dreamers. Yeah. Yeah, where they shut down that whole because university. It's not something that where yeah, they're shutting down. They're shutting down things and trying to use quarantine to cont- contain transmission, but at the same time it's not well so far. Right. Um a couple of things I just wanted to touch on before we finish just to close the loop on some stuff that we've talked about in earlier shows. So do you remember when you asked me back in the end of two- 2019 why they pushed back the publication date for My Dark Vanessa. We were conjecturing. It was supposed to come out in January, and then it got pushed to March. So I think now we know the answer to that question, which is that it was supposed to be the March Oprah pick. So Oprah's book club was supposed to be My Dark Vanessa, and then she dumped it at the last minute. And um, the reason that I read was because – she had had the controversy with American Dirt the month before, and she just wanted to avoid any book with any potential for controversy. And we had talked about the fact that there was, at one point, a plagiarism allegation with My Dark Vanessa that died down very quickly. But I just thought that was interesting to see what happened, the timeline of that, and then you know the pushback of the publication, and then the subsequent dropping of the book club pick. So I think that's what was going on there. Interesting. Yeah. Really? Um, <clears throat> I guess so. I'm just trying to think about that in my head. Didn't that get pushed back, though, before that? Well, it probably got pushed back in the fall when they were in negotiating December? with Oprah. Like, Oprah probably said, hey, I wanted to pick this book, but I can't do it until March. So they changed the publication right. date to March. Ah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That and, then she dro- and then she dropped the book. So... Um, right. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I do think that there are many things in that book that resonate with a lot of people and that it would provide a very interesting perspective in terms of it being about someone who does not accept that she has been molested or that she was in a relationship where she was sexually exploited and delving into the reasons why someone might think mm-hmm. that way. You know, I think that we tend to have very black and white views in terms of what is abuse and, you know, what we tell young people abuse are, but I think that they view it in different ways. And some of those ways are in order to protect yourself. I mm-hmm. think, you know, I think when you're young, you feel like you have all the answers or you want to feel more adult than you, than other people perceive you to be. And you definitely have a different perception of yourself. I just thought that book did a really good job in terms of, I don't think that people necessarily think a lot about the grooming. I think that that's why the plagiarism aspect fell away so quickly, just because unfortunately what happens when a young, a younger or a younger person, I won't even say just female, but a younger person is groomed for a relationship 
by an older person, sort of poking around to see where you might be vulnerable, what kind of support system. I don't think that people like to think about how insidious and how planned it actually is. You know, it's not, I couldn't help myself. Maybe they can't help themselves if you're thinking in terms of pedophilia and, and the fact that supposedly it's not curable, but at the same time, you know, there is just like such a sophisticated and targeted attack that goes into manipulating people into these situations so that they don't expose the relationship or so that they're protected. Mm -hmm. And another piece of literary news in the last two weeks, I guess it was, which publisher? Now I'm forgetting. Who was it that was going to publish um, Woody Allen's? Hachette, Hachette was going to publish Woody Allen's memoir. And then a, a bunch of people who work for Hachette walked, did a walkout from work. And then Ronan Farrow uh, said he would never work with Hachette. And they reversed their decision. So they're not publishing it. So what do you think about that? Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I think probably it was the right decision for them to back down. I mean, listen, no one's going to ever know if he really did it or not at this point. But clearly he has enough people who think that he did that given the atmosphere we live in right now, I don't think Hachette needed to publish his memoir. From a business perspective, I think they made the right decision to back down. What do you think? Right. I think that if any other publishing house had done this, this was not going to be an issue. Initially, Ronan Farrow was the one who, I mean, it all started out with him walking away from Hachette because he felt betrayed. And, you know, I get that. I mean... I think it was shady for that company in particular to try to publish both their books when there is such enmity and bad blood between mm -hmm. them. And because he had already made so much money for the company, I think it was a slap in the face to him in that respect. But I mean, people publish books that you wouldn't be interested in all the time. And imprints do have editorial you know, imprints have editorial control over what they are deciding to publish. And there has to be a way that you can service all your readers. I mean, uh, who am I to say? I had an interesting conversation with one of my friends who works in the industry about this whole thing. And she talks about how, you know, publishing can have, or most of the publishing houses, it's very in a very sort of permissive liberal environment. And the fact that she is responsible for shaping and putting across books that people read. So is there, you know, I guess being in agreement that there is some kind of a liberal agenda when it comes to publishing, which I pointed out, but you have different conservative imprints. You have a variety thing, a variety of things that are being published and always will, will be published. Yeah. I just kind of think that because if, it, if he had been, if Woody Allen's book had been published at Simon Schuster or Random House, like maybe people would not have liked it or they would have walked away from it. But I just think that the angle 
that this was Ronan's sister and because he had been such a cash cow for them so recently. And the fact that they knew how he felt and hid the fact that they <laughs> were going to have, you know, publish Woody Allen's book was which one made this so toxic. Yeah. And I just read an article by someone who said he, since it's been canceled, he asked for a copy of it. And he read it and he, he talks a lot about how he had interesting con- contributions to make about different kinds of movies, different kinds of historic things. You know, it wasn't all going to be about his family life, even though some of it is about that. You know, and he says it's interesting, but at the same time, it's also not like it was a masterpiece that could not be right. missed. Well, interesting times right now in every way. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're going to wind down. Um, we thank our listeners for your forbearance for <laughs> some of the this episode was definitely much more newsy besides our what we've been reading so our next episode we will definitely delve into into the the books books. and thank you for you know bearing with us with the somewhat of an erratic schedule i mean i think everyone's adjusting to new routines right now and new realities of their lives and new rhythms so thanks for bearing with us we are probably not going to be posting on an exactly regular schedule but we promise we will be here and we will return with more more books and more reviews and recommendations and themes and lists and things like that. So hang in there, Nicole. <laughs> you know where to find me. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. <laughs>